Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. It's Philippians chapter number two. I'm just going to jump down to verse number five um, and read three verses to you here. Verse number five says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You say, well, preacher, I want to be like the Lord. I want to be like Christ. Well, he said, let this mind be in you. That was in Christ. Look at verse number 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Here it is. But made himself of no reputation. He didn't make no reputation for himself. God made one for him. (laughs) I'll say more about that in just a minute. But uh, made himself of no reputation. But took upon himself the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. I'm interested in the middle of that verse. The Bible said that Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. And I want to preach on Jesus the servant tonight for just a little while. Father, I love you. I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight. You know the need of this service, and I pray that your divine will would be done in it. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God tonight. Lord, there's nothing I'll say or I'll do that'll help anybody tonight, but may he, the Holy Ghost, help us tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd bridle our tongue, help us to say nothing that wouldn't be ordered by you, but God, I pray also that you'd help us to say everything that would be ordered by you. God, I realize that there'll come a day that I'll stand in your presence and give an account for the words that's uttered out of my mouth tonight. So God, may every word be ordained by you. In Jesus' name, that name that's above every name, we pray it. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to look in these verses for just a little while. and I'll make reference to verse 8, 9, 10, and 11 probably through the introduction because um, uh, they're just great verses. Amen. They're just great, great verses. But I want to talk to you about Jesus, uh, the servant tonight. Jesus, the servant tonight. And see what the Lord would help us to learn out of this. This is probably the most profound passage in the Word of God on the personal work of Jesus Christ. It is a great example, now listen to this, uh, of self-forgetfulness. Can I say that again? Of self-forgetfulness. You say, preacher, what is that? That is forgetting uh, about yourself. A lot of times in our life that the only thing that we're worried about is ourself, our self-reputation, our self-open doors, our self-promotion. Give me an amen right there. Uh, Things that uplift ourselves. But in this passage of scripture, we find Jesus uh, in a self-forgetfulness. He is considered to be a servant in this passage of scripture. 
When we look at this in verse number six, there was a equal fame. He said, who being in the form of God, uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. This states the fact uh, of Jesus' deity tonight. He was as much God as God is God. At the same time, he was as much man uh, as man is man. He was man uh, when he was asleep on the pillar but he was God when he said peace be still in the midst of the storm. He was man in John eleven thirty five when he wept at Lazarus tomb. But he was God when he said Lazarus come forth. Amen. There was an equal thing. But in verse number seven by way of introduction there was an empty tide claim. He said but made himself of no reputation an emptified claim. Think about this. Jesus was still God, but the covering of flesh hid his true identity. He said that he took upon himself no reputation. In verse number seven also, there was an earthly fame and took upon him the form of a servant. This was the lowest position possible in that day. God incarnated in the flesh took upon himself the form of a servant. There was an enormous shame. Look what he said in verse number eight. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Here it is, even unto the death of the cross and execution of the worst criminals. There is an exalted name in verse number nine. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. There is an exalted name right here. You see if you just read verse number seven and see him taking upon himself the form of a servant and stop there you miss it because there's still an exalted name. Jesus said that man uh, that made no reputation for himself. I, God, uh, will make a reputation for him. Uh, Jesus didn't have to make a reputation for himself because God made a reputation uh, for him that day. But think about this. There'll be an eventual acclaim in verse number 10 and 11 that at the name of Jesus, that's that servant that I'm preaching about tonight, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, that's heaven. Of things in earth, that's earth. Of things under the earth, that's hell. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. There is an eventual acclaim. Every knee will bow to that servant one day and profess him Lord. I began to study this, and I'll preach in just a second, stay with me. I began to study this, and the Bible says that Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The word equal is the Greek, uh, in the Greek is lasos, which means uh, to be equal in quantity or in quality. 
Jesus was equal in every form and every facet when you begin to think about it. The idea is this, though Jesus had that very same qualities of God in every quality and in every quantity, you'll find this, he refused to cling to that equality but was willing to humble himself and become a man. He was not going to hang on to his heavenly seat, but would become a humble servant. Yeah, you usually don't get a lot of amens and shouting on preaching on a servant. He could have hung on to that heavenly seat. He was God. There's nobody sitting at the piano, but I'm gonna preach to Tanya sitting there anyway. He was God. But he chose not to hang on to the heavenly seat and became a servant to please the Father. He became a lowly servant, which was as low as he could have gone. We see his servitude throughout his life. Jesus was a meek and lowly, and he spent his life in giving and serving others. On the other hand, he, not, he did not even so much as have a place called home to lay his own head. Jesus made himself of no reputation. When you find that, out, when you study that out, here's what it means. It means that Jesus emptied himself. Jesus poured every bit of himself out. Jesus emptied all of him for all of us. I began to study that. Jesus emptied himself of several divine rights. Let me show you two just real quickly. He emptied himself of his divine glory. His glory was a temporal veil in his humanity. In other words, all the glory of God was veiled in humanity when Jesus came to earth. But watch this, on very few occasions that veil was pulled back and very few was allowed to get a glimpse of his glory while he was still here. I thought about this. He emptied himself of his eternal riches. He gave up the richest blessings, adoration, and worship of heaven to come to earth and be despised and rejected of men. You say, preacher, why? Well, here's what he said in Matthew 20. He said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was born in a barred stable. He was laid in a barred manger. He used as his pulpit a barred boat. He fed thousands with a barred lunch. He slept in a barred bed. He rode as a king on a barred beast. He observed the last supper in a barred room. He was mocked as a king in a barred robe. And he also was buried in a barred tomb. I thought about this, the glory of Jesus. And whenever we think about that, he was willing for just a few minutes or just a, a few years to willingly lay all of that to the side and become a servant. Jesus was willing to step away from the very portals of glory and become a bond slave. Jesus was willing to walk away from everything to be beaten, to be spit upon, to have the beard plucked from his face, to die 
can be separated from his father. Matter of fact, in everything that I can study, the only time that you hear him addressing God as God and not his father is when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That very moment, he became his judge and his God. He was not his father, but the sin of the world had been placed upon the very darling lamb of God. Why? Because he became a servant. He became a servant. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was willing to do that. As I began to think about the servanthood of Jesus, my mind immediately went to John 13. And you say, well, preacher, do you believe in washing feet? I try to do mine every day. <laughs> there is several churches that practices that. And, 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 and if that's what they want to practice, that's just fine. I don't believe it's an ordinance of the church, though. It was Jesus simply uh, showing his humiliation uh, and his servanthood when he washed the disciples' feet. Have you ever thought about this? He had no problem, I'm sure, washing John's feet. You ever thought about this? I'm sure he had no problem probably washing Peter's feet or even doubting Thomas's feet. But what about that night when he came around to a man by the name of Judas? And in his deity, he knew that Judas would be the one that betrayed him. Is anybody hearing the preacher tonight? He knew that was the man that would sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. Yet Jesus chose to still wash the feet of Judas that day. In that passage of scripture, there's the love of a humble servant in verse number one. There's the life of a humble servant in verse three. There's the labor of a humble servant in verses two, four, and five. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. Jesus was a servant. Thought about this. This passage does not say but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a preacher. Is anybody with me tonight? This passage does not say that he took upon himself the form of a Sunday school teacher. Thank God for Sunday school teachers, amen? But that's not what it said. Nowhere does it say that he took upon himself the form of a professional singer. Nowhere. Do we find that? Here's what we find. That he took upon himself the form of a servant. He was a servant. Everybody says, well, I just want to be like the Lord. Do you really? Because he was a servant. Boy, it's a little tight tonight, but that's all right. He was a servant. He was a servant. I thought about this. I, I, and, and, and I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I thought about this, Brother Heath, every time we set that tent up. And, and before COVID hit, when, you know, there was times when there's close to 2,000 that would be there under it. Everybody wants to sit on the platform. All the preachers want to be on the platform. But not all of them want to roll around in the mud. 
Not all of them want to be there at 2 o'clock in the morning when the wind's blowing and the rain's falling and you're wondering if the tent's going to blow away. Anybody hearing the preacher tonight? They want to get there three minutes late, walk up on the platform, sit on the platform, and as soon as souls are saved and the show is over in their eyes, they want to go out the back and get in the car and leave. They know nothing about starting generators. They know nothing about pulling drop cords. They know nothing about, is anybody hearing the preacher tonight? They know nothing about any of that. He said he was a servant. He was a servant. He was a servant. My daddy, man, I wish he was here tonight. My daddy, he would tell us, I'm telling you, you preacher boys think I'm hard. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue to the way Dr. Alan Barker was. And because I was his son, it was just that much worse. No, it wasn't no easy road. It was that much worse. He'd look at us. He'd point that finger at us. And he'd say, boys, if you don't bloom where you're planted, you'll never bloom nowhere else. You can't say that you'll go knock on the doors uh, at a church that you're going to go pastor when you won't even show up for visitation at your home church. If you won't clean the commodes, uh, if you won't vacuum the floors here, you'll never do it nowhere else. You need to learn to be a servant. That's what he'd tell. I'm telling you, he'd tell us like that too. He'd tell us like that. And boy, Brother Matt, I look back now at those years and those guys that rebelled on that and never done anything like that and they're nowhere today in the ministry. And boy, I can look back at old Brother Alton Bill that rode the church van that came to church and, and got saved. And after he got saved, uh, the Lord called him to preach. And man, he would do anything. Uh, he said, Preacher Barker, you just tell me uh, anything you want me to do and I'll do it. He'd do anything. And today, uh, he's a great evangelist. Uh, he's the director of Ambassador Baptist Bible College. Why? Because he was a servant. Because he was a servant. I remember, <laughs> I'll preach in just a second. I, I remember uh, me and Brother C.T. Townsend was talking one day. He said, I remember my first day on staff at Victory, which he pastors now. And he said, Doc Brown came up to him and gave him a screwdriver. And he said, go check all the doorknobs and all the facilities and make sure they're tight. Come on now. Come on. Oh, preacher, I want to do something. I, I want to do something. As long as they're in the limelight, they want to do something. Jesus was a servant. Jesus, let me show you three things about this servant. Number one tonight, a servant is chosen. A servant is chosen. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. If, if Brother Dakota was... He's not. But if he was a master <laughs> and I was a servant, I want to reverse that role. I couldn't just run up to the master and say, I'm going to be your servant. No, that master chose his servant. 
He chose who he wanted to work for him. He chose his servant. I began to think about that whenever you begin to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said to us that he was a servant. God just didn't need someone to be a king or a prophet or a priest. God just didn't need somebody to be a mediator, but God needed somebody that would be a servant. So you know who God chose? He chose the darling lamb of God. He chose his only begotten son to be a servant servant. Be a servant. Be a servant. Can I say this to you tonight? That is exactly what God's still looking for today. God's looking for some servants today. You say, preach, I want to be used by God. Become a servant. You say, preach, I want to do something great for God. Become a servant. You say, preach, I want to go far in the ministry for God. Become a servant. You say, preach, I want to do this. I want to do that. Become a servant. Become a servant. Become a servant. Oh, preacher, I'll be glad to teach a Sunday school class. But don't ask me to keep the nursery. Boy, it got quiet right there. Now, everybody ought to holler amen because we don't even have a nursery right now because of all this COVID mess. Preacher, I'll be glad to do this. Preacher, I'll be glad to do that. Well, and I know I could have made a call them all. Had a bunch of people, but for the past week we've been working on one of the wells and we pulled the pump out of it. What, three times? Two or three times? Well, now, you know, preacher, I can't put my suit on. Everybody see me dressed up and do that. When God looked for somebody to go to Calvary, he knew it would be his son, but understand what I'm saying. He chose his servant. His son was a servant. And let me tell you what the master's doing tonight. The master's looking for a servant. The master's looking for a servant. He's looking for... I thought, man, I listened to this preacher tonight. I thought about those places out there not long ago. I was in South Dakota there with Brother Whittemore. And we rode through the city after city after city after city. No churches, no gospel witness. Man, you can go up north tonight. And I've been up there numerous times. And city after city after city. Thousands upon thousands out west. Hundreds of thousands upon hundreds of thousands up north with no gospel witness. God's looking for a servant tonight. God's looking for a servant tonight. So preacher, I, I, preacher, I'd, I, well, I'd have to quit my job, lose my 401k to go up north or out west. What if Jesus would have said, I'm going to leave the portals of glory. I'm going to be separated from somebody that I've never been separated from before because we've always been together. Did you note I said always? Because there was no creator. He was the creator. God was. God knew that his son would be a servant. The master, the servant is chosen. Number two tonight, the servant is compliant. What I simply mean by that is the servant is subject and in subjection to his master. A servant don't backtalk the master. He simply does what the master says do. The servant don't question the master. When the master says do it, the servant does it. 
Amen. If we're a true servant and we meet the qualifications of a preacher and you're a man, and that's the only way you can meet the qualifications. Can I get an amen right there? And God says preach. A true servant, don't try to bargain with him. Yeah, man. We always say, yeah, preacher, I'll say, here am I, send me, until he says go. And I'm like, wait a minute, Lord, are you sure about that? No doubt Jesus, if we could have saw into heaven, was saying, here am I, send me. I'll be glad to go. That servant is compliant to what the master says do. I studied this out and I found out that the heart and the desire of a servant is one thing. To be pleasing to his master. That's all he's interested in. He's not interested in if you like him or if you don't. He's interested in one thing. At the end of the day, when he reports back to that master and says this word, teleestai, I finished the work that you gave me to do. As a master, you gave me something to do. And that, and I'll say more about this in a minute, but that servant would report back to the master and say, Teleestai, it's finished. You, you gave me something to do. I think that was the only thing that he was worried about. And let me tell you what, if we're compliant to the master, that's all we'll worry about. That's all we'll worry. You know what? I want my character to be right. Somebody give me an amen right there. I want my testimony to be right. But when it comes to standing on this book right here and doing what the master said do, I don't mean this ugly, but I could care less whether you agree with it or whether you don't agree with it because the day's coming uh, that I'm not going to stand in your presence uh, and give an account for what I've done, uh, but I'll stand in the master's presence uh, and give an account. We better be compliant to what the master says do. Listen to what he said in John 4, 34. Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Psalms 40, verse number 8, he said this, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Listen to what he said in Luke 2, 49. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business at 12 years old? In Luke chapter number 2, he said, I'm about my father's business. His mom and daddy went walking off. His fleshly daddy and mother went walking off. Went a day's journey, supposed him to be in the company of others in Luke chapter number 2. After that feast of the Passover, and they turned around and went back and took them three days to what it took them a day. Took them three days to get back. And when they get back and find Jesus, you know what he's doing? He's sitting in the midst of the synagogue and everybody was astonished at what he said. And when his mama walked up to him and scolded him real good, he looked back with her with all respect for her, not in an arrogant way because he never sinned. But in the right attitude, in the right way, he said, Hey, Mom, don't you understand? I'm doing what he sent me to do. His will was to do what the Father said do. I thought about this. A servant is chosen. A servant is compliant. 
But I'll say this to you in closing. Number three tonight, a servant has a trust committed to him. A servant has a trust committed to him. In other words, the master gives him something to do and that servant has that task committed to him to take care of it. Can I say this? When that master gives the servant something to do, it's up to him to do it and to accomplish it. No one else can do it for him. It's up to him to do it and to accomplish it. The master trusts the servant to take care of the task that has been assigned to him. And I say something to you tonight. The master trusts you to take care of the task that's been committed to you. So preacher, what is that? That's between you and the Lord. I know what his task for my life is right now and it's pastor and amazing grace Baptist church. God knows my heart. I don't just say God knows my heart tonight as he was talking. Man, I was thinking, uh, I, you know what? Me and Leslie can move out there and take that church. Uh, uh, the girls can play instruments uh, and we can sing uh, and we can work. And you know what God said? You better bloom where you're planted at. You're exactly where you're supposed to be at. You keep doing what I give you to do. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be uh, and I'm going to try my best by the grace of God uh, until he moves me uh, or calls me home to be with him uh, uh, to stay true to what he's committed to me. You say, well, well I just thought about this. I'm going to get some maters thrown at me right here. So preacher, he hadn't committed much to me. Well, maybe because you hadn't took care of what he has committed to you. Maybe it's because you hadn't took care of what he's already given you. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I, I, there's times, there's times that I, I, Brother Heath, before he become our youth pastor and, and, and started drawing a paycheck at the church, I would give him little things, Brother Jerry, just little things. I'd say, hey, can you do this? Hey, Miss, Miss Leslie, say, hey, Miss Morgan, can you do this? And you know what we was doing? We was just seeing how they could handle it. Because if they couldn't be faithful to small things, how could they be faithful to large things? You say, oh, preacher, I can be faithful to large things better than I can small things. Really? You need to humble yourself and become obedient as a servant. As a servant. Jesus was a servant. He said this in John 4, 35, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Now watch this. And to finish his work. Jesus the servant tonight. And what he said comes from playing softly. Here's what he said. He said, what I want to do is finish the work that the master gave me to do. I want to finish it. Olivia takes guitar. And just recently we switched teachers. And uh, Brother Nathan Nichols, a good Christian guy, 
I'm sure the biggest part of y'all knows Brother Nathan. Brother Nathan's teaching her now. And Brother Nathan will give her, Brother Matt, a section of a song to work on. She's working on I'm a Poor Wayfaring Stranger. Isn't that it right now? And he give her a lead line to work on, Brother Brian. I asked her yesterday, I don't stay on her. I don't ask her if she practices. I don't stay on her because if it's in her heart, she'll do it. If I have to stay on her and make her do it, she'll never do it. So I don't make her practice. I, I, it's completely up to her. The day quits, comes that she quits practicing and no one do it no more. I'll take that guitar and sell it and go buy me a sports car. That's about what I give for it. But anyway, I asked her, I said, you got it? She said, yeah. I said, okay. Now, if we go Monday and he tells her to play that and she don't have it, you know what he's going to do? He's going to work on that again and send it back home with her again. The only way that he'll let her progress past that point is if she has finished the task that was assigned to her. You may be here tonight going, preacher, why? Why? Why have I not progressed? Maybe you've not finished the task that he's given you yet. I remember... I'm just going to reminisce a minute. I ain't, you're in a hurry. I ain't in no hurry either. I ain't got to spray everything tonight. I get done preaching, I'm going home eating eggs and tater tots. We ain't had that in a while. It's about time to get back on that kick again. But anyway, I remember, man, I started preaching July the 24th, 1998. I'll never forget it, man. I surrendered to preach that night. I remember it. I remember it just as much as the day I got saved. I remember where I was standing at on the stairs at Turner's Creek Baptist Church. Those stairs that went down to the basement. Brother Shepard's probably been there and knows where I'm talking about. I was standing on them stairs and Scott Caudill was preaching on hell. I know you'd have thought I got saved, but I'd already took care of that, so I decided to preach. And uh, I surrendered to preach that night. I'll never forget it. Man, I thought after I surrendered to preach, my daddy was Alan Barker. Are you hearing me? My daddy was Alan Barker. He's preaching 35, 40 weeks a year and pastoring churches running eight and 900. That was my daddy. I thought, brother, I thought, bless God, I'll preach 25 weeks the first year I'm a preacher. Yeah. I didn't hardly preach 25 minutes first year I was a preacher. I know y'all don't believe this. I went and preached my first message. Ryan and Rhonda, these, these Gillum's, the old Gillum's hardware store. Right down below that was Nanny Sue's store years ago. My Uncle Jerry started a little storefront church right there in Nanny Sue's store. And that's where I preached my first message. I preached three minutes. On stay by the side. I don't even get the boogers off my vocal cords now in three minutes. I preached three minutes on stay by the stuff. Took a shirt to change into because I figured I'd be soaking wet when I got done. Man, I was big time. I was big time. You with me? Man, after that, it was a long time. Matter of fact, I think the next time I preached 
was at Bright Light in a cowbell service. And the next time I preached, if I'm not mistaken, was at True Vine over on 52 in a cowbell service. Make a long story short. Titus 21, I, I, in all honesty, I probably didn't preach 20 times in a church setting. We'd preach like wild men on the street. I'd preach to teddy bears and everything else. And God called me to preach. He put a burning desire in my heart to preach. I'd go down in the woods and preach. Shake hands with the pine trees and the glory. <laughs> the glory of God fall down. There wasn't no hindrances. <laughs> I was prayed up. There wasn't nobody else down there to hinder it. I'd preach and God fall. Just because I wanted to preach. Had a desire to. 21 Leslie and I got married. We surrendered to whatever God's will was in our life. The first five years of marriage, we was with Rock of Ages. And I preached on deputation. Some of them preached in, in the prisons a lot. After that, I went to Northwood for a year and a half as a youth pastor. And then I came up here. I hadn't been here long. I took the church to Grace Baptist Church. And, and right outside of Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, Tennessee. That time, Brother Wayne Owenby was the pastor there. He had preached here at our church. He, I, I say he was one of the biggest mentors besides my dad to me in my early ministry. Now, I'll never forget that place was packed out that night. As just a few of us went. I think Gloria was with us. I know Ganny was with us. Brother Josh and Miss Tanya was with us. Just a few of us. There wasn't many of us here. <laughs> we went. That place was packed. There's probably five or six hundred there. Brother Bob Darty was preaching that night. We'd had the morning services. It's where I met Brother Mark Stroud. It's where I met Brother Dwayne Moore. It's where I met the Dixons. I can go on and on. But anyway, I'll never forget that night. Brother Wayne walked back there to me, handed me the microphone, Brother Plato. He said, preach about 15 minutes. He said, now preach. He said, don't get up and read 25 verses of Scripture. He said, read a verse of Scripture and go wild. I said, all right. Praise God, I was ready, man. I was pastoring 30 people and had to answer to everything. <laughs> he said, just before Dr. Bob Darty come in, a prince of preachers, what a privilege it was to preach with Brother Darty. He said, just before he comes to preach, he said, there's a young pastor. It's my buddy. He's my friend. He's coming to preach for us tonight. Y'all make welcome to Grace Baptist Church, Brother Jonathan Barker. Man, I walked up there, Brother Brian, and I was shaking in my shoes. I was scared to death. I don't even remember what I preached, and nobody else probably does either, but I went crazy for about 15 minutes. Because he told me 15 minutes. And my pastor told me if they told you 15 minutes, you done it and you sit down. He said, you're a young preacher and you do that. And I sat down and I'll never forget after that. The phone started ringing. People started calling. To God be the glory. I began to preach revivals. Began to preach in youth meetings. And now here we are today, 14 years down the road. God has poured His blessings out on us. But I don't never want to forget 
where he brought me from. servant the servant just the servant that's what I want to be it's back here today and 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 I'm picky okay don't nobody say amen I'm picky I I, I, I don't like trash on the floor in the church I don't I don't like youngins running around like a bunch of Comanche Indians in the church I don't I don't I don't I'm picky about the church. It's God's house. I walked out of my office and I was back there studying. And there was some trash in the carpet. You know, just from people coming in and out of the church. Wasn't nothing deliberately. And here's what I thought, Brother Joe. I said, in my mind, I said, I'm going to call Levy until I come up here. Vacuum that up before church starts tonight. Needs to look nice. Now I thought, Brother Heath and Miss Morgan will be here in a minute because they're always here early. And I thought, he's going to put this up. Miss Morgan, I know her. If she sees that, she's going to grab a vacuum cleaner. She's going to vacuum that up. And the Lord said, what are you preaching on tonight? What are you preaching on tonight? You know what I've done? I walked back there and I opened that closet. Got that old blue auric out that I tried to wear the end of it up on. There's some things I can't be a servant about because I about blowed that up in a bad way. Ain't that right, Olivia? But Brother Rodney fixed her the other night. I got that old blue orc out. Started vacuuming. I just found myself saying, thank you, Lord. I can run a vacuum cleaner. The carpet of your house went to the COVID killing machine got that drop cord and unplugged it Brother Heath and he was a mess we're going to teach Brother Heath we're going to get him broke one day about drop cords he just likes to wad them up and throw them down and we're working it kills my OCD but we're working on it and I started to wind it up I have no idea. He had it wound up around the hose of the sprayer. I have, I have no idea how he done it. And I thought, how do you do this? And you know what, Brother Joe went through my mind. He's just being a servant. He's just wanting to do something for God. And I unplugged it from the fogger and got it out from around the hose and I walked out in the parking lot and I went like this and just slung it went rolling that drop cord up rolled that hose up on that sprayer and put it all back together and rolled it over in a Sunday school class and tonight I know him brother Ryan will get it out and make it all a mess again and I'll come in tomorrow and clean it all back up I'm just speaking I'm saying all that to say this may we never get over being a servant a servant. I just want to be a servant. If it's vacuuming the floors. What a joy to walk through the Lord's house vacuum the floors. What a joy to open the doors up. Oh Craig, he's sitting back there and he'll holler when I say this. He's sitting he come up to the door back there and which we leave everything locked except them and Brother Craig's sitting in the nursery because he's, you know, real high risk and 
I opened the door up and I said, open that door and open it wide because there's a big old sinner walking inside. <laughs> Craig said, I, I, he mumbled a lot at me. I ain't exactly sure what all he said. But I thought as I opened that door, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I remember those days of scrubbing the buses at Amazing or at Turner's Creek, getting bubble gum off the bottom of the seats and boogers. I'm just being honest. Just want to be a servant. Finish the work that he gave me to do. Not long ago, somebody got sick. Bathroom back there. Church was over and Leslie opened the door and she said, oh my soul, what a mess. You know what, all we had to do was pick up the phone and call somebody. Say, Miss Vicky, Brother Tim, y'all care to run up here and take care of that? Brother Robert, Miss Christy, y'all care to run up here? Y'all live right, y'all care to take care of that? I told Leslie, I said, we'll take care of it. Come back up here and my wife was in there on the floor cleaning somebody else's puke up out of the bathroom. She's a servant. He said, I want to finish the work that he gave me. Remember I told you, I know y'all ready to go, but I, I'm going to give you this. Whether you want to hear it or not, I'm going to give it to you. Remember I told you that servant would come back in at the end of the day and would look at the master and he would say that word to telestai, or Brother Darty said it this way, teleestai. That's the way Brother Bob Darty always said it, teleesti. So that's the way I say it because I like him. Teleesti. And here's what that meant. He would say that to his master and it meant this. The assignment that you give me to do, I have finished it. Y'all remember over there in the book of John, I think it's about chapter number 19. Jesus was hanging on the cross and he makes this statement. It is finished. That word is in the Greek teleestai. You know what Jesus was? Jesus was a servant. And he said, I want to do one thing. I want to finish the work that my masters gave me to do. And that day when he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, he looked at the master and said, teleestai, teleestai. And you know what he was saying, Master? <laughs> I have accomplished the task that you sent me to do. Aren't you glad that he was a servant? May you and I take upon ourselves the form of a servant. It's not about us, it's about him. Andrew Murray's got a book on humiliation that's very humbling. He said when we say, I'm worth nothing, I don't deserve nothing, it's still making it about us because I is in the phrase. And he said anytime we're using I, it's not about him, it's about us. We don't deserve anything, but he's worthy of everything. 
And instead of talking about what we don't deserve, probably what we need to start doing is talking about what he has done and what he does deserve. And he deserves us becoming a servant like he has. I know I've preached long tonight, but may we be a servant.